0: good morning it is good to see everyone here today at the willow avenue church of christ if you're visiting we want you to know we are very glad to have you in our midst we hope that you'll be back again tonight we are in the midst of our sunday night summer series and tonight uh, brother uh, jack honeycutt from the willette congregation is going to be here i always enjoy hearing jack he is one of my favorites and i'm looking forward to that I believe it is next week we've got Brother Dwight Fuqua coming, and Brother Dwight is also one I love to hear. I'm going to be gone and I'll miss him, but uh, we are having a a good summer series, and uh, we certainly hope that you will participate in that as well. I had planned to preach on something different this week, but the news on Friday made me stop and change my plan. I like to do sermons that are relevant to society and the things that are going on around us, and I guess I don't know of anything that is more relevant right now than is this topic. Two days ago, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled on the case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, and in a 5-4 to four decision, They determined that there is no longer going to be a federal constitutional right to abortion. At least that was the result of their decision. It is worth noting those who stood courageously on this issue. Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, and Neil Gorsuch. This decision, of course, has lit a firestorm in our country. On one side, you have conservatives celebrating. On the other side, there is outrage. And there are people that are causing violence and that are attacking places and setting fires. There have been a number of statements that have been made publicly. I don't know if these are big enough for you to read. But President Biden said on Friday, it is a sad day for the court and for the country. The health and life of women in this nation are now at risk. He said, it's a realization of an extreme ideology and a tragic error of the Supreme Court in my view. Nancy Pelosi said, there's no point in saying good morning because it certainly is not one. Uh, This morning, the radical Supreme Court is eviscerating women's rights and endangering their health and safety. Notice how many times they say women's health and safety is now at risk. Barack Obama criticized the decision saying that the High Court not only reversed nearly 50 years of precedent, but it regulated the most intensely personal decision someone can make to the whims of politicians and ideologues, attacking the essential freedoms of millions of Americans. Jonathan Van Ness is from a program called The Queer Eye. You can imagine what that is about. He said, this is Trump and the GOP forcing pregnancy on people. Ponder that statement for a minute. They continued, he said, this is about controlling bodies and keeping people in systematic poverty for generations. And so, this is forcing people to be poor. Bette Midler, on her Twitter, she said, Get ready, gays, you're next. Referencing a prediction that the Supreme Court is going to reverse uh, the law pertaining to gay marriage. This morning, what I want to do is this. I want to look at a snapshot of this abortion issue. We're going to look at four points. We're going to look at this historically, politically, biblically, and then currently, presently. First, let's talk about this issue historically. This next January would mark 50 years ago that the decision of Roe versus Wade went into effect. And since that time, over 60 million abortions have taken place. ProLifeAction.org says that there have been 1.3 million abortions performed annually, on average, 18% of babies that have been conceived in the United States have been aborted. In fact, in more than 14 metropolitan areas, I read that abortions outnumbered live births. As a matter of fact, I read that one baby is aborted every 24 seconds in the United States. January the 22nd, 1973, that was the date of Roe versus Wade. On that day, the Supreme Court of the United States said that it was legal to kill a baby if the baby was still in the mother, and the mother wanted it killed, and there was a doctor who was willing to kill it. That was the essence of it boiled down. And that has been a part of the laws of our land for nearly 50 years. On, in 2019, three years ago, on the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, the state of New York took things to a whole new level. On that day, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a new law for their state. It banned limitations on abortion and authorized abortion through all nine months for any reason, with no restrictions, up until birth, and even after birth, if a child was born during the course of the abortion. And so what that means is, if the baby survived the abortion and was born, then they could kill it after birth. The reason I mention this is the New York Senate... After this new law was passed, that is, death to babies up to the moment of birth, the New York Senate cheered, and a round of applause went up. I would encourage you, if you've got the stomach for it, to go to YouTube and search for this video. It is shocking, after they voted to kill babies up to the very moment of birth, the applause, and then to celebrate this new law, The New York governor ordered that the World Trade Center and other buildings be lit with pink lights in celebration of this momentous occasion. Friends, I want to tell you this morning that our country has been in a very dark place. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible said, After Cain had killed Abel, that the voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. I want you to think about that. The blood of the innocent crying out to God. I am sure, I have no doubt, for the last 50 years, historically, this has been happening in our country. In fact, I read online that abortion is the leading cause of death in the United States of America. And that if we could put an end to abortion in this country, the number of lives that would be saved would be more than twice that. If we could find a cure for cancer. Let's talk about this politically. Let's talk about the legal ramifications of this ruling. First, since there is now no federal ruling on this issue, it is going to be left up to the states to make their decision. Friday's decision has set off a chain reaction that will outlaw abortion in about half of of this country. There are 13 states that have what they call trigger bans that will go into effect within 30 days after the Roe versus Wade ruling has been repealed. At least 18 states banned the procedure the very day that the ruling was released. Several states have had dormant laws that will be reactivated, and several other states are going to move immediately to introduce new laws. There are 20 states, including the District of Columbia, where abortion has been legal and is likely to remain legal and be protected. You can see from the PowerPoint here, a list of the states where abortion bans will take effect within 30 days. I'm not going to read all of them, but you can see them in red and dark red. On this next slide, you can see states where uh, the states that will likely ban abortion within weeks or months. The first one was within 30 days. The second one is within weeks or months. These include Alabama, Georgia, Indiana, Iowa, Ohio, and South Carolina. This third slide, you can see states where the fate of abortion is still uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen there. And the fourth slide is where abortion is legal and probably will remain that way. Now, another point that we have to make when we talk about this subject politically is, now when I say this, it can be a sore subject for some people, but brethren, we have to observe this. Who you vote for matters. Who you vote for matters. I want to read you this quote. This was made by President Biden on Friday. He says, it was three justices named by one president, Donald Trump, who were the core of today's decision to append the scales of justice and eliminate a fundamental right for women in this country. What Biden said is this, if Trump had not been elected, abortion would not have been outlawed. Now, he was looking at that as a negative, and he was blaming uh, Trump for that. Brethren, what we need to remember is this. When we step into the voting voting booth, we have to be Christians first and our political party second. We have to answer to God and His principles first, always. Now, let's talk about this biblically. Why is abortion wrong Biblically speaking, I was speaking to someone the other day and he told me that growing up he never heard abortion addressed in the congregation where he was. That's tragic. We need to understand what the Bible says about this. Biblically, abortion is wrong because it is the taking of innocent human life. Proverbs 6.16 lists six things God hates. It says seven are an abomination to him. Among those are hands that shed Innocent blood. And friends, you tell me what blood is more innocent than that of a baby who hasn't even been born yet, but is within the safe haven of his mother's womb. Now somebody says, Now Don, we don't know when life begins. Maybe these abortions aren't actually taking human life. But friends, that kind of reasoning doesn't hold up to the Scriptures. Psalm 139 that was read this morning, Psalm uh, verse 13, The psalmist said, For you formed me and my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. The psalmist speaks about himself as being himself even before he is born. Before he was born, the Lord saw him, and he knew him. Luke chapter 1 and verse 41 talks about Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. When she heard the greeting... Of Mary, the mother of Jesus. The Bible says the babe leaped in the womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. That baby was John the Baptist. He was a child. He was a baby. He was recognized by God as an individual while still in the womb. Abortion is the taking of innocent human life. Dr. Bernard Nathanson at one time ran the largest abortion clinic in In the world. During that time, he oversaw the clinic. He performed some 60,000 abortions. And by the way, Dr. Nathanson is an atheist. He doesn't believe the Bible. But suddenly one day, he quit and he would perform no more abortions. Why did he do that? Here's what he said He said, I am deeply troubled by my own increasing certainty that I have presided over 60,000 deaths. And he did. But fortunately, this doctor came to his senses and said, I have committed murder. I have taken innocent human life. And that's the first reason that we're opposed to abortion. Secondly, we are opposed to abortion biblically because it transgresses The Golden Rule. Now, we need to do more preaching on the Golden Rule. I'm planning a sermon on that in the near future. But you know it. Matthew 7 and verse 12, Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so unto them. Treat others the way you want to be treated. What mother would want to be dismembered? What doctor, while sitting in his office, would want some sort of corrosive fluid to start dripping from the ceiling and completely consume his whole being? What judge would want a giant machine to tear his limbs apart and rip him out? But that's what happens when they take the life of a little baby from a mother's womb. Biblically, we are opposed to this because it is against human instinct. Now, by that, I mean human nature cries out, this is wrong. In Romans chapter 1, in the last part of the chapter, verse 31, there is a long list of sins there. And among these sins, he says that there will be those who in the last days will be without natural affection. I think sometimes people think, well, that's homosexuality, that's sodomy, or something like that. That's mentioned elsewhere. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. When he says those without natural affection, what does he mean? Think about the love that a mother has for her baby. The natural way that a mother behaves toward her children is to do anything that she can to protect that child. And when a mother will abandon her children or leave them, we say something's wrong with that. That is not natural. It's not right because human instinct says you watch for your children. Now, if a woman goes into an abortion clinic and says, I want you to kill the life that is in me instead of seeking to protect that life, It goes against human instinct. It is not natural affection. Next, we're opposed to it because it's rooted in selfishness. I was reading some statistics from the state of Arizona from a 10-year block of period. Less than 1% of abortions were done for medical reasons. 99.92% of the abortions done in that state, in that 10-year block, were elective abortions. They were convenience abortions. You know, the last couple of days, I've been hearing on the news channels about women's health. I read you some quotes here about women's health being at risk now because we don't have a federal mandate about abortion But the truth of the matter is, 95% of abortions are not done as matters of health. They are done as matters of birth control. Only 3% are done because of health problems. 1% are done because of fetal abnormalities. And 1% because of rape or incest. 95% of abortions are convenience abortions. Friends, the vast majority of abortions are based on selfishness. Many times abortions are done by professional women who don't want to have their careers interrupted. Many times it is those who don't want the financial obligation of raising a child. Some have children, they don't want the obligation of more children. Some don't want to go through the uh, pregnancy and the difficulties that come with raising a child and the effects it has on on your body. From a a doctor's standpoint, you can make big money performing these abortions. And there are many doctors who live in homes that have been built using the blood of little babies as the mortar and the bones as the brick. They have financed their mansions, killing innocent human life presently. What do we do now? We have Roe versus Wade that has been uh, reversed. What do we do now? Brethren, first, I want to suggest that we take the opportunity to thank God. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen: pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is a day that we've been hoping for and praying for, and we need to thank God for His providence that has been involved in this. Secondly, we need not to gloat. Now, what do I mean by that? I've seen some memes on social media that have been cold and uncaring. At this time, there are some women who feel hopeless because they believe that abortion is their only answer. We need to reach out to them and teach them. We need to offer empathy. We need to offer hope that is in the gospel. We need to promote adoption and fostering and helping them. I have seen a great deal of hatred being poured out, even by some of our leaders, Let's not be those people. Number three, we need to not quit. We could sit back right now and say, we have won a great victory, our job is done, but friends, that would be a mistake. You see, if you look at the states that are still ahead of us, abortion is still legal depending on the states. And so there are going to be decisions that are going to be made in the, upcoming, in the upcoming months that still need our prayers and our votes and our thoughts and our attention. The midterm elections are going to be very important. Let's ask the question, does God even concern himself with what's going on on a national level? Should we as Christians be concerned about this? Should we be having a sermon about this? Is this something that we should take a part in? Let's take a moment and consider some biblical principles. Number one, Proverbs fourteen thirty four says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And so a primary concern of any nation should be righteousness. Consider this. In Exodus chapter 18, verse 21, when Moses was instructed to select men to be judges and rulers politically, that is to assist him to make judgments, he was told, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, who hate covetousness, and place such over to be rulers of the thousands, the rulers of hundreds, fifties, rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all time. I want you to notice this. The Lord said the type of rulers that you should select to make secular judgments, number one, are able men. Number two, men who fear God. Number three, those who are men of truth. And number four, those who hate covetousness. Now, I know that can be a difficult thing in our country, but that's what we should shoot for. That's what we should strive for. Who's going to strive for that if not Christians? Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 8 has a very interesting statement. It says, better is a little... With righteousness, than great revenue without right. What does that mean? Better is a little, that is, financially, if you have righteousness, than great revenue, that is, a lot of money if you don't have righteousness. You know what that means? It's not about the economy. It's not about Social Security. If you are going in and voting for that, you have missed the principle laid out in the Bible. Now, while we don't specifically read the word abortion in the Bible, you do read about sacrificing and killing of babies. The pagan nations that were surrounding the children of Israel, sometimes they practiced child sacrifice as a part of their cult, such as worship of Molech and worship of Baal. In 2 Kings chapter 21, when King Manasseh of Judah, he decided he was going to participate in this evil practice. The Bible says, "...also He made His Son pass through the fire." And he practiced soothsaying and witchcraft and consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Verse 16 says, Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood until he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other, besides the other sins that he made Judah to do, and do evil in the sight of the Lord. That is... He did a lot of other things, but the Bible says he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood and he did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all of those who were before him. And listen to this, Leviticus chapter 20. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, whoever gives any of his descendants to Molech, that means if you offer your kids to Molech, which is what their practice was, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. If you kill your child, you offer your baby or your little one in sacrifice to Molech, the children of Israel were supposed to stone you to death. Now listen, and if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from this man when he gives his descendants to Molech, and they do not kill him then will I set my face against that man and against his family, and I will cut him off from his people. Now, what's the point of that? He says those who killed their babies, he said they, they should be prosecuted. He said, this is the part I want you to get right now. Those who turn a blind eye to it and ignore it and don't follow what I say, he said they're going to be cut off from the people. What does that mean? God's people need to involve themselves in the process. Now, today the process is different. What do we need to do? We need to continue to pray about this. I would say we need to pray more fervently. Secondly, we need to vote. Our votes do matter. Thirdly, we need to support candidates who oppose abortion and and who oppose homosexuality. Let me cover one more thing, and I'm going to wrap up the sermon this morning. I want to mention some arguments that are made by those who defend abortion, and I've heard some of these even in the last few days. Somebody says, you know, you don't really understand this, because there's another side to this issue. I understand there are some things that people are saying in defense of abortion. Number one, sometimes people will say, even Christians will say, well, life begins at breathing. You know, the Bible says that Adam breathed the breath of life and he became a living soul. So that's when life begins. But you know what? The baby's already breathing inside of its mother. It's living inside of its mother through the umbilical cord. But life doesn't start at the moment that they cut that cord. That's a mistaken idea. Secondly, some people are saying, Well, you know, you have to have abortion legal to save the mother's life. But you know, the truth of the matter is, that is actually a very rare situation. And certainly, we want to do what is necessary to preserve the mother's life. But I like what one doctor said. He said, in preserving the mother's life, he would never approach that from the vantage point of attacking the child, but rather, he would do what was necessary to save the mother. He said, you see, if in the process of trying to save the mother, the baby died, that would be sad indeed, but he would not attack the little baby, as is done in the process of abortion. A third statement. Some people have said, what about incest? What about rape? You know, that truly is sad when this happens, but if you listen to Planned Parenthood and other organizations like that, you would think this is a common occurrence But it is extremely rare. Based on the statistics I found, and you can Google these, they're easy to find, looking at different states, it averages somewhere just over 1%. But you know what? Even then, we can't step in and say, well, this child deserves to die because of the circumstances that brought it about. Are we going to say, could we go to a five-year-old and say, well, we need to kill that that, uh, young child because... He was the result or product of rape. Rape doesn't justify killing an innocent human child. Number four, some will say, well abortion needs to be legal because of the danger of deformity. But friends, are we in a society that is ready to eliminate those who are defective? You know, we have been living in a nation that for the past 200 plus years has adhered to Christian principles. When someone is born with a physical or mental problem, we reach out to them and we care for them and we do what we can to meet their needs. But I'm afraid the mentality behind this question suggests that if someone is not as perfect as we think they should be, they should be eliminated. How far are we going to carry that? I guess in that line of thinking, I need to be eliminated because my body is very defective. You know, this reminds me of the thinking of Hitler. Have we gotten to the point in this country that we are ready to eliminate someone who is not as perfect as we think they ought to be? Number five, I heard, this, I heard this on Friday on TV. Someone argued this. They said, well, if abortion is not legal, then women are going to have unwanted pregnancies. This really made me scratch my head. You know, God has a plan for this. Abortion is not what prevents pregnancy. Abstinence prevents pregnancy. The problem is we want to participate in sex before marriage and then get pregnant and then, and then use abortion as the remedy. And that's not right. One more thought and I'm going to close. Prince, it could be that there's someone here today who's had an abortion. In fact, in a group this large, there probably is one. And maybe you are overwhelmed at the grief of that. You need to know that you can be forgiven of that. You know, the apostle Paul viewed himself as the chief of sinners. He said the ultimate peak of sin, he said, is what he had done. He had killed God's children, but he'd been forgiven and was exceedingly pleasing to God. Maybe you're here today and you have already repented of this and it is still eating at you. It's time to let it go. If you want to talk about that, I'd be glad to talk to you. I'm sure the elders would as well. If God has forgiven you, it's time to forgive yourself. Maybe we have someone here today who's not a Christian. You need to know the Bible teaches to become a child of God. You need to hear the gospel, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Maybe you're ready to do that today. We are ready to assist you. Maybe you're here as a child of God and you've got sin in your life, maybe not relating at all to the subject this morning, but you desire the prayers of your brethren on your behalf. We would be honored to go to God and to pray for you. This morning, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, won't you come? Together we stand and sing the invitation song.